Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, hosted by Joshua Shaw and Ryan Buckeye. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back inside the Two Guys, One Shaker Cup Podcast, Episode 3. We are running along this bitch like a NASCAR race, Josh. We're going to keep this thing going. Actually, I don't even watch NASCAR. Couldn't even tell you what NASCAR <laughs> is, to be honest with you. Josh Shaw, Ryan Buckeye here with Episode 3. This week's topic actually is one that is very near and dear to our hearts because we literally are the epitome of what we're going to talk about today. And the topic of conversation is, does a brand need a face or does the CEO of the company need to be the face of that company in order for it to be successful? In order, or, or does it help it be successful might be a better way to put it. Because, I mean, you can look at a lot of Fortune 500 brands out there. They don't necessarily have a face in the company, but they're successful. But today, in 2019, as you start in a digital world that we live in, in a social media world, is it needed? And you and I both run brands. We're in charge of brands in which... You have your own YouTube channel. You put out bi week. You put out videos each week in which you're the face of the brand. I put out a podcast. I put out YouTube videos. It's me, nobody else. And because of that, we've both been able to survive and thrive and have our own businesses. And I think that has a lot to do with it. But the main question is, could we do it without us being front and center? With somebody, you know, doesn't necessarily need anybody in general. Um, I'll let you start because I have certain thoughts and feelings on this. Like I'm torn. I have a more of a, I guess, a heavy stance. I lean one way versus the other, but I'd love to hear your thoughts because you've worked with a lot more companies with the consulting side of things, some with faces of the franchise and some without. So you have a unique perspective I'd love to hear. Yeah, this question, it actually has come up a few times. Uh, I think it's been coming up more and more with some of my clients because the entrepreneurs are asking the question because I think they're starting to see the writing on the wall. They're saying, Hey, like we need to have a personal brand. The personal brand fuels, uh, our brand, our, our businesses that we own, you know, and then always the question after that is, you know, I don't feel com- or like, you know, comments, I don't feel comfortable yeah. or, you know, I, I, I think it's boastful or, or I don't have an ego or, you know, it's kind of a dated view of personal brands or just um, just being out there and self-promoting yourself. I think for the longest time, that's always been a kind of a negative trait or, you mm-hmm. know, it's something that still probably a lot of people think maybe you and I, we have friends or, or friends we've had, you know, in prior lives that look at us and go, man, these guys are so full of themselves. You know what I mean? All, all, they just must love hearing themselves talk. And, it, and I don't think... I don't think we disagree. We probably do in a small sense. Oh, yeah, probably absolutely. do enjoy listening to Louis ourselves talk. But to me, I mean, I've made I made a change probably a couple years ago. Um, I was I'm a introvert. I'm not a I'm not a people person. If you uh, you know if you see me at a trade show or something like that, you might think the opposite. Just because I do build that up, I build it up in myself to like be able to to last for you know, 10 hours or something at a trade show. But um, I'm definitely not somebody that is, uh, you know, extroverted. I, I'm definitely not the, uh, you know, center of attention when I'm in a crowd or, or something like that. So I've had to overcome a lot of that. Um, I've had to understand that personal brands and, and the importance of me getting out there is important. And I have to overcome that because my thoughts are like the, our, our country, our, you know, our economy is, is kind of moving away from physical mm-hmm. goods into services. That's just kind of how it's, how it's kind of went. And then services has kind of moved into this idea of like information, like you're 
um, the amount of knowledge, the amount of insights, the amount of um, content you put out there in a way is your currency, is your is your reputation, is your whatever. So you have to be out there speaking your truth. You have to be out there, you know, telling people what's on your mind uh, because that's how people are validating, um, you know, services or validating thoughts or, you know, it's kind of, it's moving, the economy is moving towards that direction. I think it's, we're in the early stages, the early innings of what this is going to be in the future. I think that we're, though we might think, uh, everybody's doing it around us. You know, everybody has personal brands and everybody's like still very new. We're still very much uh, early innings on this, but I've, I've shifted in. I think it's like extremely important mm-hmm. um, for my business. Um, I think there's probably a lot of businesses and segments of business that are still going to be slow adopters of needing that. But right. for me as a service provider of somebody that, you know, provides consulting, uh, I need to be out there, you know, showing what I know, showing my understanding of not only complex subject matters, uh, but also, you know, contemporary subjects, mm-hmm. like what's happening on the day to day, you know, what, what do I believe is that means to the future or today or, or whatever. So I think me, I, I probably have a biased opinion of it because I, I'm in a, I'm an owner of a company that is geared towards services. So maybe I'm a little bit too, uh, leaning a little bit too in on it, but I don't know. I, I, I look at it uh, and I work with consumer packaged goods brands mm. and I, I work with physical goods. So um, I see the value when there are entrepreneurs that are out there putting their personal brand out in front. Um, and you can do that in so many different ways, but I think it's fundamentally, I think it's just, works. I think yeah. it just I think it just adds to it. I think in the realm of this conversation because we're both entrenched in the sports nutrition fit, fitness industry. Like let's I'm going to hold my thoughts into that industry in general because I think it in this space it might be more important. So I I just want to clarify like personal brands it's not really new new per se like in terms of how we speak about it because if you think about even athletic endorsements like Michael Jordan with Nike, he had a personal brand within a larger corporation. So like Michael Jordan had the Air Jordan brand. It wasn't his. It was Nike's, but like it was his. So look how successful that was for for Michael Jordan in the shoe space. Like the, the athletic endorsements have been going on for a long time, which is sort of a form of personal branding within a larger scope of things. But within sports nutrition, I'm I'm thinking about like two of the fastest growing sports nutrition companies that I can remember. One being Muscle Farm, which was backed by Corey Gregory who was at that point was early face of that company. And you were there, Josh grew super quick. Like if you didn't have that lime green cover in your, in your cabinet, you weren't cool. You weren't doing something correct. And in 2019, it's Redcon one and Aaron Singerman is front and center in all social media and all video. So those are just two examples of brands within sports nutrition in which the entrepreneur was front and center was available to the consumers. People could see into their lives and they were very successful. You can name a bunch of other brands. Mark Lobeyer is a good friend of you and mine, MTS Nutrition. He leveraged YouTube and leveraged the fact of putting himself out there to become very, very successful. So I'm in the breadth of saying, like, in sports nutrition, you need something. Somebody has to be there. Whether If, it, if the CEO is not comfortable with it, then you need an athlete. But the problem with the athletes are is they're unloyal. They'll, they can skip brands. And if they, they move from your brand to somebody else, they take that brand loyalty with them to a new company. So you have to be careful with that. The other part of that is the Rich Piana story, right? So Rich Piana 
front and center 5% nutrition, untimely passing, what happened to that brand? It basically went away. 5% is now just finally kind of coming back basically two years after the death of Rich Piana. So that, when you put your eggs in the basket of front and center CEO being the face of the franchise, if something happens, whether it be in that case something drastic to where he passed away or something in which they get in trouble with the law, you're banking your entire brand on, on you, which, I mean, I do that with Fitness Informant. If I die tomorrow, FI's dead. It's gone. Like, it can't go on without me because I don't have a staff of people. And even if I had a staff of people, I still think it would die because I've put my followers, my 13,000 plus followers on Facebook and like the 15,000 people that come to the site and all the people that watch the YouTube channels, they watch it because of me. Like Fitness Informant is Ryan Buckeye. So I've been able to become successful, do this full time as my business because it's me out there putting myself out there because I think, and I've said this before on record, that we live in such a reality TV world today that people love to see what's going on with the brand. They want to know who is behind it. They want to know, is the person in charge actually living the life in which they preach? And I think that's super important. Like I literally open the doors on my Instagram channel, and I let people see my dog and see my, my bedroom and whatever it might be. Like They, 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 they eat that stuff up. So I think it, it is a necessity, especially in sports nutrition today. And I can remember um, a guy who, who writes with me, Gerhardt, went to the LA Fit Expo, and he said the brands, his observation was the brands that didn't have a personality didn't have a long line at their booth. Like, they didn't just have a lot of interest from consumers, but the red cons of the world, the, the Blackstones of the world with PJ, like, those are the people that have lines, and that's, that's why people come to those booths is because they want their opportunity to meet the man behind the scenes, and by behind the scenes, I mean in front of the camera, putting themselves out there, making their brands be more successful. Yeah, I mean, I think that you, you brought up a point about, you know, this reality TV kind of world, this, I always use the term like a voyeuristic, like people are very voyeuristic now. I mean, you, um, you tend to follow a ton of people on social media, you, you're involved with a lot of people intimately into their lives, but you sometimes don't even know who they are. But it translates also to how people spend their money, because they want to know who's behind the brand. And they also want to know, like, is that person maybe whatever you're looking for out of that person? Are they a trustworthy person? You know, do they walk the walk or, um, you know, do, are they something you aspire to be or, you know, anything? It could be, you know, whatever that is that you're looking for, but it provides that opportunity for people that are looking for that, um, that are trying, are not making a mindless decision. Like they want to look a little bit further into the brand. It gives that opportunity to them. So I think there's, you know, an element of, of it helping the brand also from you know, bringing in some new consumers that have some different purchase criteria, that have some different ideas of what they want to purchase uh, based around whatever those uh, items are. So you have that, you have, you know, the element of like, I think personal brands in, in a sense, I mean, a true personal brand is, is unique because it's mm -hmm. one person. It's that one person. So in a world where everything's becoming commoditized and everything is getting oversaturated and there's a ton of different things, the only thing that you can't take away is like if, if, if a personal brand in that culture and everything's infused to a brand, like there's an element of differentiation that comes from that personal brand. So it's super unique for somebody to do that. Right. Um, and consumer facing brands, like what we're talking about sports nutrition or, or whatever. I mean that there's a lot of power behind that because you are in a sea of the same. 
So when you are able to create anything around differentiation, um, that is super unique, that's super authentic, that's super, um, you can't copy it very easily. Um, and if you do copy it, probably somebody's going to call you out because they're going to be like, oh, you're trying to act like, yeah. you know, whoever. Um, it provides an opportunity for those brands. So, I mean, I, I think it has a lot of power in that direction as well. Mm -hmm. I, I, I find it interesting, too. The, in the top of my head, I'm thinking of some other brands who have basically the, the CEO front and center, uh, Chris Gethin at Cage Muscle. And they have a, a huge community. Cage Muscle supplements are good supplements, but they're not the best in the world, and they know that. But like people buy into Chris because he devotes his time to helping people through his training series, and he goes above and beyond just the product. Um, love him or hate him, Jim Stepani, another person within this space. Like everybody's heard the Jim Army, all right? They drink the Kool Aid. They are the Kool Aid drinkers of Kool Aid drinkers in the world. They don't buy the products because of the products. They buy the products because of Jim and, and Jim's education of the said products, I think, is like they relate to Jim, his story, and what he's about. And so what he says is Bible, my man. Like whatever he says, that is what they believe. And I can't fault him for that. Like it's that's his personal brand, and it's survived and thrived because of that. And all the while you're talking, Josh, I'm trying to think of a brand that has done something – uniquely special in the last three years that didn't have a personal brand. And, and we have brands out there who are growing. I mean, they're doing okay, but they don't have a massive business. Like a two, three, four million dollar business is not, it's not remarkable, but I mean, it's good. You can make a good living off of that, but it's not Redcon one doing $65 million. You know, like I can't think, and maybe I, I'm just, besides like Glombia, like Optum, Optum doesn't necessarily have like a front and center person, but they've been around forever. So like if you think of some of these newer brands, maybe the ones that have come out in the last five years, I really can't necessarily think of one that's been just like a skyrocket blasting off without somebody who's been front and center. Can you? No, unless you count like, you know, Amazon, Amazon brands or something sure, like that, that too, maybe not, have, but, you know, yeah. so have some, you know, have some ability to be growing pretty quick, but that's, that's more manipulating a search algorithm over right. trying to, to build a brand. That's yes. a, it's a different, you know, thing, uh, that we could, you know, talk about one day, but it's, uh, you know, Glamby, I think is a, is an interesting point because I would guess, um, the vast majority, even that work uh, in this industry like us, would uh, one know the person's name. That's the CEO or, or managing director. I think is the correct term because sure. it's an Irish uh, limited company. But uh, and uh, that she's a woman. It's a woman mm -hmm. that runs it. Uh, I think that uh, both those facts. I think would be uh, you wouldn't see too many people that would would know that. Uh, so you can be successful. I think the, we're going to probably keep circling around this. Uh, that you could 100% be successful without having it. But I think that it has so many effects that help you if you do. Now, we've been kind of focusing on the sales part of this, but one area maybe that probably gets overlooked a lot is around like recruitment. Mm -hmm. Like when you are out there with your personal brand, the CEO, the person that you are going to spend a ton of time working towards their dream. Now, if you know what that person's about, maybe you're inspired by them or you feel like, you know, they could be somebody that helps you because you understand them a little bit more because they're out there putting their life out there. You're you probably can attract the right talent to your mm -hmm. business because they are going to self-select in or out because they know you, they know what you're about, they know what your brand's about, and they're going to be like, hey, this person's going to 
help me get more skills, or I think I think I can help this person, you know, whatever it is, because they're because they're putting more of their self out there, you know, a little bit more. So you're as a you know job seeker or just somebody that's you know trying to uh, maybe jump on with a company, you you have a, a lot more information, so you know if you're going to make a good decision for yourself or not. So it might help you recruit the right talent. Yeah, as and well. Great point. I mean. Recruiting in general is often overlooked. I mean, if you can recruit the best talent, that ultimately is going to help fuel the fire and, and, and move you in. I mean, you can recruit the best video guy in the world. Next thing you know, you could be a, you know, a $25 million brand if you have some really good video content. But you're absolutely right. And uh, I, I just think about the line at the Arnold with Mark Lobutter. Uh, it, it was re- he, he told me before the expo, he's like, I don't know if people even care about me anymore. And I'm just like, Mark, I'm pretty sure people still care about you. His line was the longest line I've seen at, at the expo because people still relate to him and watch his videos. And that brings me to another point is like being the, the face of a brand doesn't necessarily mean you have to take a conservative approach. I mean, you can ha- have a polarizing figure and it actually might be beneficial for your brand. And I, the thing I've heard before and I, I attest to it is like those people who try to please everybody end up pleasing nobody. And I think you and I have talked about this before. So you have to take a stance, and that is ultimately another way people relate to you and agree with you and buy into your brand, is you need to take a stance on some some controversial topics. And Mark is a case-in-point individual that does that. Like, he does not shy away from the hard questions. His brand is thriving. Albeit, we don't sit here, you and I, when we talk about brand of the year, MTS doesn't necessarily get tossed into the top three all the time. But it probably should. I mean, he's he, he quietly is growing that business at a very remarkable at a nice rate. But he's humble about it. He doesn't necessarily have to toot his own horn. But he's still front and center. And I'm I'm super curious because I know you spent time at Muscle Farm, and I know that that was I think until Redcon was the fastest growing brand. I think Redcon maybe was faster growing at this point. Now, I, I you you could fact check me on that. But in those meetings when you were when you spent time there, was there any talk about you know being front and center with Corey and and taking advantage of early days of social? And obviously you guys signed like Sean Merriman and Tiger Woods and you had some big name athletes on contract, but Corey was still front and center. Like people still knew who he was and he still to this day, even years after being gone is out there doing another brand, still on social, doing his own thing. So was that ever a part of the conversation in in marketing and branding for that company? Yeah, 100%. There was, so there was three kind of main owners that came up and there was, there's two founders, there's Corey um, and then Brad, which was the CEO, which a lot of people might not know that yeah, Corey know that. wasn't the CEO. So, I mean, so Brad um, and Corey kind of started. And then when Jeremy DeLuca came on board, and that's when I came on board as well, you kind of had a three, you know, uh, three-faced whole, you know, monster, whatever you want to call it. But uh, you had uh, you had Brad that was more like vision, more like he's creative um, in a very business sense where he's going to, um, he was the one that drive drove a lot of the early success of you know product maps and sponsorships and and just a lot of those things. And then you had uh, Jeremy that was very much relationships. That guy that was you know you could you can have them uh, meet with people and then you know they would be their best friends coming mm-hmm. up there. And I think that's kind of a similar thing that he did at Bodybuilding.com when they were starting it. He he dealt with the brands um, at Bodybuilding.com with the early days, so he did a lot of that kind of schmoozing. And then you had Corey, that was, uh, you know, a fitness uh, cover model person that was really into that, and he was comfortable being out there, being put. He was kind of, you know, wanted to be out there. He had a lot of rate, really great information. He wanted to put out there from. Um, training programs or living the lifestyles or any of those things that now we look at it and this is 
you know, this is early 2010s. This is almost getting to the point where it's a decade old. Those things were not all that common. You didn't have brands putting out a, punch, a bunch of content on uh, social media or, you know, digital content or anything like that. So you had, like, it was very much a conversation that we would have in strategy meetings, like where everybody knew their role and everybody understood kind of where it needed to be. And uh, Muscle Farm did support Corey with a lot of their athletes or, you know, being part of the UFC or you, you had a lot of other things that weren't just around one personal brand. Right. But, uh, but yeah, he was definitely, you know, inserted as the face of it. Uh, and, you know, to your point, I mean, a lot of people probably still, uh, people thought he was the CEO of the company and, yeah, and, yeah. uh, the CEO was totally fine with that. Um, he was not one that wanted to, you know, kind of step in line and say, Hey, I'm, I'm the person. Um, so it worked. And just because, let me clarify this too, just because you have a personal brand on social or in the world does not necessarily mean you're going to be successful either. And Lane Norton is case in point of that, right? He came out with um, Carbion or whatever it was, that brand that was a bodybuilding.com exclusive, it failed. You know, and he had a massive following too. Now that was ultimately a, a relationship flaw between him and bodybuilding and how they educated the consumer. But I think more oftentimes than not, if you have a strong personal brand and you're behind the, the actual brand, you have a better case to be successful and you can grow quicker because you can relate to more people through social platforms, digital means than those who don't. Now, that brings me to this next point is so many of these brands want to – they see a, a PJ Braun on Instagram next to a Ferrari and a good-looking woman and they say, I want that. So they contract a, or they contact a contract manufacturer. They, they you know, make up 500 or 1,000 units of a mediocre pre-workout and they just expect it to sell. Well – if some of these people took the time to build a personal brand first and then on the back end maybe launch something, they probably have a better chance of being successful. So hypothetically, I'll say this, right? Like with Fitness Informant, I now have a personal brand. Should I ever decide to launch a fitness or a supplement company? I'm not going to, but should I do that? Like I already have a personal brand in which people believe what I say. It, it has a better opportunity to be successful than me just starting from scratch. So I, I've... In today's age, I guess I question why brands don't do it. I mean, we have all the means necessary to create a personal brand. We can connect with so many people across so many different geographic locations with social. And there are brands that don't do it. And to your point, it's probably something along the lines of being uncomfortable. So my, my biggest thing and my, my challenge to people listening to this that when you look at your brand, if you don't have a personal brand today – Get comfortable being uncomfortable. You need to do it. Like you need – if it's not you, it has to be somebody you trust. But again, back to that point earlier, that person could just leave you and go somewhere else. So ultimately, it's best to have the person in charge be that person. And if you truly believe in your brand and you live that type of lifestyle, put yourself out there. I mean let yourself be accessible to the consumer and let them see what's going on in your life because I think ultimately in the long run, if you're, it, it, it's going to pay off or at least has a better opportunity of paying off because I know so many brands, Josh, and you do too, great products, great formulas. Nobody cares because they don't know who it is. They don't know who the, who the brand is. They don't know what the brand stands for because there's people behind the scenes that just don't take that next step to be in front of the camera or to be running blogs or whatever it might be. And I'm, I'm, I guess I'm curious, too, with your consulting, like how many times do you have that conversation with brands saying, like, it would do you some favors if you step out behind the light and in, in front and center, let your consumer see who you are? It happens a lot more now. And I've and I've probably in the last year or two, I've worked on several personal brands along with me having a client as the brands because I realize that those things are now running parallel together. So when a 
entrepreneur is not comfortable for whatever reason, it's usually because they, one, believe it is going to kind of uh, distract them. Like they think it's going to be too much work to maybe put all that out there. Or they have some misunderstanding about personal brands in general or just like how to how to create or what to show or whatever. So a lot of it comes down to just like helping them kind of conceptualize it, understand what they can and cannot do and what would work well and what work, you know, what, what you should, uh, you know, implement into your consumer brand, what you can, what you implement into your personal brand, like what are the crossover areas? There's a lot of that kind of questions. I think people, because they don't understand it, they just default to not doing it at all. And that gets them in trouble. So I, I mean, I would say at this point, I almost always bring it up regardless if it's a part of the project or not, just because I want to make sure one, I understand where uh, that entrepreneur's head's at about it. Um, two, I think that it's, it's just a good conversation starter. It, it makes me understand where, how they think of, of those things, because what I'm doing on the consulting side, a lot of it comes down to like psychology as well with working with the entrepreneur. So these questions are always important to ask because it tells a little bit about how they feel personally about maybe some different situations. Um, so you know which are their hot buttons or, or you know, areas where they don't feel comfortable at or, you know, wherever. Because I think it, we mentioned it before, but it's early innings. This is, I mean, if you're not getting comfortable now, you're going to be really in trouble when, you, when, you, when you're expected to be 24-7 live streaming or something like that, you know, where people are going to be having that as a, a thought pattern. Um, you know, we, you, you had a lot in your statement that I was kind of thinking about when you said, you know, with the Ferraris and the Lamborghinis and things like that. I mean, you know, social media, this personal brand thing that it also is, there's definitely a double-edged sword that goes involved <laughs> with it because sure. there's, the problem is a lot of entrepreneurs don't show the ugly stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I'm like, when I ever talk to any like new entrepreneur or somebody hits me up because they want my advice about starting a new venture or whatever, I go straight like negative, like not like so much like, you know, trying to kill their dream, but I'm like, I want to see if they're able to, to be able to overcome or the, how, how do they feel about doing the hard work or how do they feel about, you know, having sleepless nights or, um, you know, having to give up a ton of different things that most people don't know you have to give up to be successful. See, I try to get around that because that's not shown on social media. Like, right. you know what I mean? You see the Ferraris, you see the uh, private jets, you see whatever, and you think to yourself, man, that life is great. They must be living the life, but you don't see the, you know, the two hours of sleep they've had over the last couple of days, the, uh, you know, the missed payroll they had three months ago that, you know, was eating alive at them because they had to lose one of their employees because they needed to pay, uh, you know, pay for something and leave the company. It's like things like that, like that is what probably gets that entrepreneur to that point. I wish more of them would show that For vulnerability. Sure. Uh, it's probably not going to happen anytime soon because it's still kind of in that point of like weakness. People think it's a weakness over, you know, something powerful. Mm -hmm. uh, I, and I, and I'm guilty of that as well. Like it's hard though. I, it's, it's hard. It's hard because I think that you, I tend to, sometimes I've said things and I, and people will respond and say that I'm like complaining, Yeah. which I'm the first, I mean, like, if you know anything about me, like I, I made my bed, if I'm like, 
if I'm overbooked or I overbilled or I have like so much stress, like you won't hear me complain at all to anybody because I made that bed. Like yeah. I, I'm going to, I'm going to figure out what I need to do to get over that hump and I'm going to do what I need to do. But every once in a while, when you want to like try to maybe project a lesson out of it or something like that, you get maybe some pushback from people, which um, makes people cautious to do it again. Yeah. So, you know, a, a kind of a easy tell for me is there's usually some social media outlets that I won't post for like a long time. And you know, like that means like I'm in the weeds. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm like, I just, I just don't post. I could probably post some, some things or, or whatever, but it's like, it's just the first thing that goes yeah. in my world. But, um, the, the idea that, you know, this entrepreneurship is cool. It's becoming like entrepreneurs kind of like rock stars. Yeah. Like it's, it's great because I like that it's bringing people into living their dreams and creating things around their passion and do it. But I, I think a lot of times they're not seeing the whole picture. So I wish personal brands would probably round themselves out a little bit more uh, to show a little bit more of that because I think it would be more realistic because, um, you know, we're, we're kind of in this perfect world right now, like this 2019 when we're recording this and what are we in May right now? Yeah. So it's, it's, um, you know, stock market, uh, has been close to the all time highs at this point. Um, the economy is doing really well Unemployment, um, you know, all these things are going really well. So confidence is high. People are happy. People are excited and people are jumping into things. Mm -hmm. What happens when the hurt comes? Yes. You know what I mean? People are not telling that story of it. Uh, you know, not even, uh, people are not ready for that. Like the real people that are ready to get grimy in, in the dirt, are they going to be able to handle it? Like I wish personal brands would start being a little bit more realistic about that. Like, Hey, I was around in 2007 and I lost everything. And this is like, this is what's happening, you know, like right. that kind of thing. And we, me and you, we weren't really around, like we weren't an entrepreneur at that phase, no. or at least an entrepreneur in our, in our phase, like where we are now. So we don't, we never really went through that. Now, both of us are old enough to know, like when we were coming out of college, we were in the worst economy. So we had to probably do things or take jobs or do whatever that we weren't necessarily, maybe we thought was our worth, uh, what we thought we were worth or whatever it was. But so we, we saw a little bit of that. And I think that shapes the way we are, but there's a lot of people that are coming into this that are younger than us that, that don't at all. And, and maybe it's our job a little bit to, to help that. I yeah. mean, because neither one of us are really uh, doing that as well. But the, you know, you were talking about, um, you know, just how that is like the flashy, you know, and that maybe helps. And it just kind of, to me, it's, just, I hope people don't see a Ferrari and then think, you know, if I, yeah, that's, that's an easy path to that. Sure. Uh, or, I don't know. I mean, right, I, I, right, right. I mean, the, the entire time you were talking, I, I, all I could think about in terms of personal brand was, was Tiger Woods of all people, because you just mentioned like they don't see the negative side of things. Because a, I don't, I don't think to grab my phone and IG live a negative moment in my life per se, and I don't think most people do. But uh, a reality TV star where the cameras are rolling all the time, like the, I'll bring, I don't love talking about the Kardashians, but it's out of my household every now and then. But like when. Uh, Chloe gets cheated on by Tristan Thompson. That's what draws viewership. That's what draws people back, the negativity, because people want to see people come out from the weeds and, and be successful. Tiger Woods, very successful, top of the world, hit literally hit rock bottom in his life with everything that went on with the scandal, with his, with his ex-wife, with the uh, drinking and driving, with the, the prescription drug use. Literally, you couldn't get any more low than that guy got. 
Dude wins the Masters in 2019. Probably he's never had a larger fan base in his life. And he was the most popular golfer in the world previous to everything. But because he went through that and because people went through that with him and it was in the public eye for everybody to see, he then, I mean, granted, if he had not gotten back to the top, it probably would have been like too bad. But because he, he persevered and got back to the top to be the best in the world, to win the Masters and to be a legitimate golfer again, like, and people saw that, was able to experience that with him, He's now more popular than ever. And that could happen with the brands, to your point. Like, if we're able to show the negative side, the two hours of sleep, so the, I mean, you're not necessarily going to show the, the arguing with vendors or, you know, maybe, maybe you have to throw away, you know, thousands of kilos of product because it was bad. Like, I mean, or, or whatever it might be. Like, those are things that we don't see. It's always like, had a record month, had a record month. Well, what happens when you don't have a record month and you have a hard time paying your bills? That'd be kind of cool yeah. to see because that's the reality of entrepreneurship. People live paycheck to paycheck. People don't get sleep. It takes a toll on personal relationships with, with families. Sometimes you don't see your kids. You're gone for weeks on time. Like Those are legit things that come with entrepreneurship, That but it never makes social, to your point. It never makes the public eye. And I feel like if there's somebody out there that would do it, and I'm sure that there is, it could really actually bolster that brand, that personal brand, because now you're, you're more of a real person than ever. Yeah. Like you, you have the positivities, you have the negativities because nobody's like Burger King says, right? You're not happy all the time. Like you can be yeah. unhappy and it's the reality. And we, in, in 2019, there's probably more people that are unhappy than ever, even though you just mentioned like the economy's an all time high and, but depression, mental, m- mental health, all that stuff is also at an all time high. So I think when people can maybe relate to different things that people are going through, it helps them gain more of an appreciation for that person. Therefore, more appreciation for the brand that they represent and their dollars will be spent to support that person and that brand. So I'd be curious to see if we actually see some more negativity show up on social over the next several months in our industry, but even in the broader industry, too, because it's 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 uncomfortable, I think, for us to do it. And sometimes it might be uncomfortable for people to watch it, but it's very relatable and it's very real. Yeah, I mean, it's we're we're dancing around this idea of like you know humanistic, adding some humanistic approach to the brand, and I think that personal brands do that. They add that humanistic approach because, like, you know, what's that common uh, saying where you're like people uh, people buy from people, not from brands or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like the so your your biggest salesperson uh, is usually the CEO, even if that person's not really selling maybe at the lower levels or whatever. But like it still has a ton of influence on right. sales. So like, it's just kind of rounding this all out. And, and, and we're talking obviously on a, on a smaller scale with brands, like, you know, somebody like a Mark Zuckerberg or something like that, like they have to be a lot more cautious because when you're dealing with public, uh, companies and you're dealing with different things like that, you have external things or, or interpretations of things that could, uh, change drastically the, the outcome of your, your company's stock performance. Right. So you have a lot more like, eyes on you, you have to look a certain way and appear a certain way. And you, you have to kind of do that. But, you know, we're talking about kind of small and medium sized businesses, uh, which is most what we deal with. It's, there's that element of it that helps just a common consumer feel better about buying something from somebody. And I think that's where this all comes down to is that, um, you know, you're, you're trying to attract the right buyers into your brand. Uh, and, a way to do that is to be authentic and be yourself, put yourself out there a little bit. Now you can do that in so many different ways. I mean, I think that, you know, we probably are a little bit more advanced than a lot of people because we're on YouTube. We're, you know, we're doing all these different things on video, but 
you know, only a few years ago, I was only doing written articles. I didn't want anybody to know who I was or know my face or whatever. I just wanted to be the guy behind brands and I was cool with that. And that worked. It, it was fine. Now, now that I've moved into video and, and other things, it's accelerated that growth. It's definitely well beyond where it was when I was just doing written stuff, but you got to start somewhere. You got to start mm -hmm. putting yourself out there, whatever you feel comfortable with, just start doing it. I think both of us can agree. Like when I first started doing video, I was like, I was so nervous. Like I was just so like I, I turned that camera on and I would just like, like wouldn't know what to do. I was like, ah, yeah. uh, like what? Like, but now it's kind of like you just it's just natural. You just do it. It just happens. So, and that's only after I've been only doing video stuff for you know six months or something. Right. So so you know short pre period of time where you can become something that's uh, you know a better personal brand that actually helps your helps your business. So I I, I hope that you know, whoever listens to this, uh, you know, regardless of where they're at in their, you know, they could be owners of companies. That's cool. Um, they probably know better. They know they should be doing this. Uh, even if they're not doing it, they should, but even if you're just a professional, you're, you're, you're somebody that's in a company, you yeah. are looking to advance in your career. I guarantee putting yourself out there, your personal brand out there in a way that's going to, you know, be, you know, help helpful, I guess. Uh, yeah will pay dividends to your career, um, even if it's on a side project or whatever. Like if you're really into, um, you know, fantasy football or something, you start a fantasy football, whatever, and you're really like that could be your that could be your career yeah. in a, two years. I mean, in your example, like, I mean, how long did it take you to transition, um, you know, from corporate America, you know, a big fortune 100 company into um, into now. I mean, it, yeah. it was, it was quick. Just a little over it, two years. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that's quick. I mean, I, I know that people are going to look, when I say quick to people are two years, that's a long time. That's nothing. It's yeah. nothing. That's like, I mean, you transitioned into a better paying opportunity in two years, just right. from putting your passion out there and building your personal brand and getting, getting out there. So I hope regardless of what level you are, that you're listening to this, like figure out what, you're passionate about, figure out what you feel comfortable doing, uh, start doing it, and then start getting a little bit more towards that uncomfortable each time because it's just gonna pay dividends to your business, to your personal development, personal brand, whatever it is, it's gonna pay dividends to. So I, I don't, I mean, I can't uh, say how positive that like content has been to me. Sure. Um, I, I just feel, I, I feel very passionate about just content creation and just putting your thoughts out there having validated thoughts, uh, being able to learn and, and create a community and, and network and, and it's all these things that you get positives out of it. It's a lot of work. I, I think maybe we've glossed over that a little bit when you're do, you are doing your personal brand. It does mm -hmm. take time to edit videos or write articles yes, or, does. you know, do posts or engage with your community. Those are all things. But I, I if you just look at it on a longer scale, like it, it's easily going to pay for itself. Yeah. It's just, I don't, I, I think you agree with that. I mean, I think that it's, you know, it's obviously we agree on this st statement, but, um, it's, you know, I, I want, I want to, if anybody gets something out of this, I hope it at least inspires you a little bit to, to explore your personal brand yeah. a little bit. Just try it out. Get comfortable being uncomfortable. Like I said, cause at the end of the day, it's gonna, it'll help your personal brand. The key is to do it in a way in which you're super important to the business but you're not the entire business yourself. Like the, you don't want to pass away in the Rich Piana example and then have your business take a huge hit. Like you want to be able to build a brand that can survive without you, 
but can thrive with you. I mean, essentially, it's kind of like what you want to do um, in a sense. And there's been a lot of brands that's been able to do that very well. And there's a lot of brands out there that I know in terms of in this space that are they have really good branding, they have really good products, but they just lack that last and final piece. And that final piece is that human touch. And if you can add that human touch with a personal brand, I guarantee as long as you're authentic, your brand's going to grow and you're going to grow quickly and you're going to be happy that you got uncomfortable and you did it for, for the brand, you did it for your employees. So uh, that's my challenge, right? Like my challenge is to the same as Josh's. Like we challenge you to take that step out from behind the, you know, from in the darkness into the light and just try it and see what happens. And uh, once you become, once you do this more and more, like in Josh's case and you become comfortable with it, it becomes fun and it becomes something you look forward to. And it gives you an opportunity to connect with your fan base and connect with your consumers. And then you're really starting to help give back more in any sense than you ever have with any product that you ever came out with. If you can actually provide that personal touch and provide people with what they need. And what they need is that, that human connection with your brand. And, and you as a CEO or even, to Josh's point, somebody within a company that's maybe just in a, in a mid-tier job that wants to advance, put yourself out there because you'll advance quickly uh, than you've ever imagined. So – yeah, love to hear your feedback. We'll be posting this on social. Love to hear your comments on, on our Facebook post. Um, we are on iTunes, Spotify. We're on YouTube as well. Again, I mentioned Facebook, so you guys can check that out. We appreciate you all tuning in. Again, if you have any comments on this episode, leave it. If there's any topics you want Josh and I to discuss and talk about, we'd love to hear it. We'll dive into pretty much anything because we can, we can make you know, 35, 40 minutes uh, into a topic and make it engaging and, and fun and conversational. Like this one might be my favorite one we've ever done. Uh, you know, and we've only done three so far, but it's been really good. So I'd love to hear from you guys. Love to hear your feedback and anything we can do to make the show better. Holler at us. We will incorporate your feedback and we'll take it from there. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Josh, anything? Nope, that's it. Thank right. you guys. Appreciate it.